0: If you live with celiac disease, you may be more likely to develop osteoporosis, knowing this can be the first step in reducing your risk. I'm your host, Krista Lamb, and today on Unbreakable, the OC podcast from Osteoporosis Canada, I'll be talking with Shelly Hagan. Shelly is a registered dietitian who currently works as an educator in the women's wellness program at the Grey Nuns Community Hospital in Edmonton. Welcome to the show, Shelly. Thank you. I'm so happy to have this opportunity. So why don't we start with just a very basic understanding of what celiac disease is. Okay.
1: Celiac disease is a a chronic health condition whereby you develop an allergy to the gluten protein, which is mainly found in wheat, barley, and some other grains. And the body reacts to it negatively and it affects the digestive tract so that you don't absorb certain nutrients such as calcium well, and it can affect the health in many other ways as well.
0: Okay. And so I know when I'm listening to the radio or hearing people speak about it, I hear all sorts of different terms. There's celiac disease, non-celiac gluten sensitivity, gluten intolerance, or someone might be on a gluten-free diet. Are they all the same or is there a difference?
1: No. So gluten is kind of a buzzword right now and it's kind of trendy and People are following gluten-free diets for various reasons, but celiac disease is a health issue that it has to be formally diagnosed. It happens to affect about 1 in 133 Canadians, so it is fairly common, but the presence of celiac disease has to be confirmed by a special testing and a biopsy of the small bowel. So sometimes people think they don't tolerate gluten or wheat proteins well. And yes, maybe you have a few symptoms, but it may not be true formal celiac disease.
0: Okay. So if I hear people say that they're on a gluten-free diet, that could be a choice, not necessarily that they have sensitivity to it or how does it work? Yes, So some
1: people make choices or they, you know, hear certain things about this food and I'm going to choose to avoid it. And that's personal preference. There may not be a lot of information to support that understanding but you know we believe what we want to believe individuals that truly have celiac disease have to avoid gluten in even the tiniest amounts because it continues to have that very negative effect on the gi tract and really flattens out the little surfaces there and really can very negatively impact the absorption of some very important nutrients if you just avoid gluten because you think that you know it has this benefit or doesn't have this benefit it doesn't have those same health consequences as someone who has true celiac disease
0: okay so it's something that you can choose but it's not necessarily something that's going to really have the negative impact that someone with celiac disease would have and so kind of continuing that why does having celiac disease make people more prone to osteoporosis how does it affect bone health well we don't know with 100% certainty but there's lots of Sort of obvious
1: connections. So, one, if that small bowel or the digestive tract isn't absorbing nutrients very well, some key nutrients that are often uh, really at risk for being malabsorbed if you have undiagnosed celiac disease are calcium, phosphate, and vitamin D. And all those three nutrients are absolutely critical. For optimal bone health, so if your body can't take them in and get them into the skeleton, that really increases the risk for celiac disease. Another thing is, is because celiac disease is an autoimmune disorder, and you may be producing some inflammatory markers or what we call cytokines, that maybe has a negative effect on the inside of the bone. So those are some proposed mechanisms of why people with celiac disease are more at risk for osteoporosis. But keep in mind it also goes the other way we also find that people with osteoporosis are more likely to have celiac disease so it's sort of a two-way street that we want to think about
0: yeah no that's really interesting to know actually because i hadn't thought about it in the reverse so if i'm someone who's listening right now and i have celiac disease and i've had it for many years and i've got it very much under control Am I still at an increased risk for osteoporosis just because I have celiac disease? No. So the good
1: news is, is if you've been diagnosed with celiac disease and you follow a strict gluten-free diet, um, usually within about two years of being diagnosed and following that diet very strictly, that really can help lessen the risk of osteoporosis. But if you're sneaking in the gluten there because you think, oh, just a little bit is okay, then it would unfortunately have that a negative effect on the gut and therefore the absorption of the nutrients.
0: And you are an educator in the role that you have right now. And I wonder if someone comes into your office and says that they've just been diagnosed with celiac disease, they have low bone density. What suggestions would you make to them if they want to improve their bone density? So number one is making sure
1: that they have a really good understanding of the celiac diet and what to read on labels and what to avoid. And the Celiac Association of Canada, there's, you know, lots of great resources, fantastic books. So really linking them with that information. And then I would go more into sort of the, all the factors that support bone health. So looking at adequate calcium, so sort of assessing how much calcium they sort of get from their food on a regular basis. Are they using any calcium supplements? Does their diet and supplements sort of add up to 1,200 milligrams of calcium a day, which is sort of the recommended amount? These days, we usually recommend vitamin D supplements. And so are they taking a vitamin D supplement that gives them a 1,000 to 2,000 international units of vitamin D3 per day? You know, I may ask about protein because low protein intakes can have a negative effect on bone health. So just sort of a really holistic view. And then don't forget, we have to also look at physical activity. Are they currently smoking? Because that has a negative impact on bone health. How much caffeine, how much alcohol, those things can also impact bone health as well. So we just would take a holistic picture of it.
0: Yeah. And those are really, really good pieces of advice. And I was particularly interested in vitamin D. Because I know that people who are worried about their bone health, vitamin D can be really essential. So you would advise someone to take a supplement if they have celiac disease then? So
1: Health Canada and uh, Osteoporosis Canada, we currently recommend that all adults over the age of 50 consider taking a vitamin D supplement because it's very challenging to get adequate vitamin D from sunlight exposure because we live in such a northern part of the world. So starting the end of October through the end of April, even if sunlight hits our skin, we don't make the vitamin D. So then we're not building up our reserves. And then in the summertime, we often work during the day. So we're not getting the direct sunlight onto our skin or we're wearing sunscreen with the SPF factor greater than eight. It blocks the vitamin D synthesis. So it's really hard to rely on the sun to get your vitamin D. So then people say, well, what can I eat? What has vitamin D? And if you're someone that eats fish a good two to three times a week, especially fish coming from cold water, like salmon and uh, mackerel and tuna and things like that, that, those are good vitamin D sources. In Canada, we add a bit of vitamin D to all fluid milk, but 250 mils of milk only has about 100 international units. So it's quite a bit of fluid milk. I'm using the term milk broadly because it can be cow's milk, but there's a lot of non-dairy alternatives on the market, such as fortified cashew or almond or oat beverage. Now, oat beverage probably wouldn't be good for people with celiac disease. But you can see that is quite a challenge then to get your vitamin D from food and the sun. So really, we're left with the supplement. For the younger age groups, we don't just necessarily jump in and say a supplement. We'd probably assess it based on what their activities and their diet would look like.
0: I think that's really great information for anyone who is interested in this topic. And you mentioned milk. And for people who are newly diagnosed with celiac disease, I understand that sometimes they can't tolerate milk products very well. And so I'd love to know a little bit more about why that is and if there's something they can do to get the calcium that they might need.
1: Yes. So lots of times if the gut is unhealthy, even after a, a major sort of flu or things like that, or you know, if you have celiac disease, you might experience what we call lactose malabsorption. There's a natural sugar in milk products called lactose, and it's quite a large compound. And the gut has enzymes to try to break it down into smaller parts that are easily absorbed. But sometimes if that gut is unhealthy, you don't produce enough of that enzyme to break down the lactose. So then when you drink a glass of milk, it sort of sits in the gut and bubbles, you know, sort of feel like you have stomach cramps or you just don't feel very well. So individuals with celiac disease often do experience lactose intolerance. But when the celiac disease is identified and then they start following a gluten-free diet, often within nine months or a year, they can slowly reintroduce uh, some lactose containing foods back into the diet if they like those foods and enjoy them. So it's often transient from that point of view. And you just kind of have to experiment. Like maybe you can have 125 mils of milk a day, but 175 mils gives you symptoms. So a lot of trial and error.
0: So if you're trying to find alternatives to milk products that might be great, so you can get your calcium that you need, what are some of the things that you might want to think about if you're living with celiac disease?
1: Well, for anyone, you know, food is our best source of calcium and dairy products are the most concentrated sources and you can get a fair amount of calcium in a relatively little amount of food. But sometimes people don't want to use dairy products or don't like the taste or things like that. So there are options. And you know the market has kind of exploded with what we call non-dairy alternatives. So it's milk-like products that are coming from soy or rice products or oat or a whole variety of things—cashews, almond—and so you can play around with those. Most of the time, the manufacturers add calcium to it. If so, then they have the same calcium and vitamin D as a glass of regular cow's milk. So those open up the door and uh, create a lot of possibilities. Some people can't drink milk, but cheese, especially hard cheese, has a lower lactose content and they can often enjoy hard cheeses without causing too many symptoms. And they often can get away with fermented dairy products like yogurt or kefir because the natural bacteria in it breaks down some of the lactose, which makes it a little bit easier. You can get calcium from other foods, like broccoli has calcium, but it takes a fair amount of broccoli to get a substantial amount. So a half a cup of broccoli gives you about 40 milligrams of calcium. And if you're over age 50, you need 1,200 milligrams of calcium a day. So that's a lot of cups of broccoli to get you up to that 1,200. So it all (laughs) helps, but it's probably not realistic to totally rely on that, right?
0: And so in those cases where you can't get enough for whatever reason, would you go to a supplement at that point or is it primarily trying to get it through food?
1: We always try to see what we can do with food. And we know that Canadians, they only get about 600 to 700 milligrams of calcium from their food. So we we are not, Canadians as a whole are not meeting our calcium requirements. So then is there a way that we can do it food-wise is the first part of the conversation. If the answer is no, I, you know, I'm worried about my weight or I don't like these foods, there's just no way I can get this up to what I need, then that's where we begin to talk about calcium supplements. But recognize that calcium supplements, we want to use them sparingly. And we're just using the supplement to get you up to the recommended amount. So, so often I see people coming in and they're taking fairly mega doses of calcium supplements and they never really accounted that their diet is likely giving them a good 600 milligrams. So, you're just using the supplements as they're intended just to get you to that upper limit and there's no benefit to getting more than 1,200 milligrams of calcium a day. Your body just excretes it. So, you're kind of making the vitamin people happy, but it doesn't do any extra good for your body, right?
0: Yeah. And that's actually really good to know because i never thought about having too much calcium, but it's, it's good to know that, you know, I don't need a supplement if I'm already getting enough through food. Yes. So my last question is really, is there anything else that you would say to people who were worried about celiac disease and their bone health? Is there anything that we haven't covered that you think would be important for people to know?
1: The difficulty with celiac disease is often people, they struggle with symptoms And there's a long time that they struggle with symptoms before celiac disease is actually diagnosed and they realize, you know, what they need to do to move forward. And so, you know, depending on the years, it can have a pretty substantial effect on the skeleton if it's been sort of a long-standing effect. And so we have to take into account then sort of what is this person's fracture risk? And we're going to be more concerned about that is if someone had you know, many years or decades of symptoms, and then was finally diagnosed with celiac and maybe in their 50s or 60s, they might not ever fully recover their bone density from that. But if the celiac disease is picked up in a, you know, a much younger person, and after a shorter time frame, they probably make a full recovery from that and their fracture risk would be not um, overly high versus an older person. Uh, those are sort of the, the main things. Keep active, stop smoking. Those are all part of it too, right?
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it was amazing to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much to Shelly for joining us today. I'm Krista Lam and you've been listening to Unbreakable, the OC podcast from Osteoporosis Canada. Today, I've been speaking with registered dietitian, Shelley Hagen about celiac disease and osteoporosis. If you'd like more information on osteoporosis, visit our website at osteoporosis.ca. If you have questions or comments about this topic or about our podcast, reach out to us on our website or via social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoying the show? Hit subscribe in the podcast provider of your choice. Thanks for listening.